Hey friends, do you have kids with attitudes? You might find as this school year is starting out that that kid you had last year, you don't know where he or she is. You'll want to listen to this episode of the Live Beyond the Big Events podcast. I'm Brenda Yoder, licensed mental health counselor, former school counselor and teacher, mom of four, and I'm author and speaker. And I'm excited to share with you today some principles about those sassy kids. So moms and dads, I want you to know that there are two sides of every story when it comes to parenting. I know you're the parent, you're the adult, and you're the one who is guiding your child. But every child has their own perspective, the things that are happening in their world, especially once they start attending school. And in today's culture, especially, kids of all ages are experiencing stress. They are absorbing a lot of different messages. And that kid that you know at home has an internal system that you don't necessarily see. So rather than all of a sudden assuming that your child is becoming completely disrespectful, that they are uh, walking away from the way that you are training them and teaching them, and that they don't have a heart for God, I want to encourage you to consider some things that are all factors about kids with attitudes. So first of all, Let's think about what's going on with kids. Once kids are about 10 years old, all the way through adolescence, they have hormones that are affecting their thoughts, their behaviors, their actions. And I don't know about you, but I know when my hormones flare up, it's easy to feel emotional and out of control. It's easy to feel irritable. And can I talk honestly about girls? So, Girls have their menstruation anywhere starting from age 10, 11, 12. Sometimes it's later. But even before their cycle starts, a girl's emotions and hormones can be already elevating, can even be cyclical before they start menstruating. So be thinking about the hormones that are going on with your child. But boys aren't excused from having hormones. As they start puberty, anywhere within the, the age of 10 to 15 especially, the onset of puberty happens at all different ages. And there's no big red flag that says, hey, mom and dad, this is what my body's going through. And it's affecting my brain. It's affecting my speech. It's affecting my moods. Just be aware that kids as young as nine all the way up through adolescence, have got a lot of hormonal things going on. So give them some grace sometimes. There's another thing that's going on for them, and that is independence and autonomy. In my book, Fledge, Launching Your Kids Without Losing Your Mind, I talk a lot about independence and autonomy. Why? Because it is God's design for children. Psalm 127 says, Like arrows in hands of warriors are children born of one's youth. You see, God has designed the human 
to grow from an infant who needs care to slowly start developing their own independence and, and autonomy. Moms and dads, they naturally are designed to be separate from you, to have their own thoughts, to have their own feelings, and to make their own choices. And so as kids start experiencing independence and autonomy, and that starts really happening around the age of 12, from 12 to 15 are the intense years when kids are really searching for their identity. And they're starting to realize that they really are separate from you. And so when your thoughts, belief systems, feelings start colliding with theirs, and especially when they feel like they're being told what to do all the time, kids can get pretty surly. There's a third factor for kids, and that is peers. Teens and tweens are incredibly social beings. And especially with social media and technology, their perception of themselves in the peer group is heightened, it is magnified during these years. And so while it's easy for an adult to step back and to be able to make sense of a lot of the peer dynamics, kids can't, or at least most kids can't. They feel very uh, pressured. Many times they can feel small. They can feel intimidated, left out, lonely. And a lot of times in the peer group, they feel that there's something wrong with them. I think all of us probably felt that way, probably about middle school age. Do any of you want to replay middle school? So be aware that there's a lot of pressure, not only from peers, but pressure that kids put on themselves based on perception. Also what's going on for kids is that their brain is developing at different rates during the early teen years. Kids' um, emotional and impulsive side of the brain is developing faster in early adolescence than their logical problem-solving side of the brain. So when your kid does something really impulsive or stupid, and you say, why'd you do that? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Guess what? Most times they really don't know. Their brain just said, hey, that looks, that looks fun, or I'm going to do that, and they do it without thinking through the consequences. So kids with attitudes are coming with a lot of different dynamics. And finally, I want you to think about the influence of screen time, video games, and social media. Studies are showing that the more time kids spend on technology, on screen time, uh, the, the dopamine release in their brain is increasing. And so their brain is just becoming stimulated, almost on overload, so that when you pull them away from that gaming system, tell them to set down the phone, tell them to get off social media, uh, it's almost like they're going through withdrawal. You can Google some research to see uh, what the information is out there on the influence of screen time, but the research is showing it. And so it's incredibly important to realize that your child's attitude just isn't them being rebellious. There are a lot of physiological and emotional things going on inside of their brain and their body. So those are some factors to, to consider. Thinking about all of that, does it seem exhausting to be a kid? It does to me. Which brings me to the second component I want us to talk about, which is 
doing kind of an assessment as you're thinking about the attitude or the disrespect that's happening with your child, I want you to assess three things. First of all, assess the child. How are they doing with all the factors we just talked about? Is there something really going on in their life? Is it their age? And they truly will grow out of it after a few years. Is your child starting to spiral? Are they becoming violent? Are their words becoming um, very angry that you, you see a spitefulness at a depth of their anger that is really becoming alarming? In that case, it's so important to get your child's services, to seek out a professional counselor, and maybe for yourself to seek a counselor or a coach who can help you through this season. That independence and autonomy can trigger a lot of things in kids. And if they don't feel seen or known, if they don't really think that you see them beyond their angry words, beyond their disrespectful words, their behavior will continue to tell you, hey, I need you to see me. And I also want to say that for kids who are adoptive or who come from foster families, during this time of adolescence, uh, the disrespect and some rebellion may come out because they're struggling with a lot of grief and loss, a lot of questions that they have, even if they've been in your home their whole life. So I would really recommend some of Karen Purvis's work or Dr. Jane Schooler's work. Uh, both of them work with helping parents of adoptive kids understand trauma and understand a lot of the loss and attachment that happens with children who are outside of their biological families. Another thing I want you, you to assess is yourself. So when your kids get surly, when they start talking back, does it trigger something in you? Do you become reactionary? Is their disrespect uh, touching a place inside of you that really is more about you and less about your child? Moms and dads, I want to let you know that's a real thing. I know with one of my kids, when they became disrespectful during this um, early adolescence, it was triggering something inside of me that went back to my own needs of childhood. You see, I was the youngest, and I always fought for a voice in my family. I grew up feeling like I was always being told what to do. So when I had a disrespectful teen who seemed to be telling me what to do, telling me no, it triggered something in me. And I had to realize that a lot of my responses that fueled their disrespect was actually coming from something inside of me that wasn't even attached to their behavior. So I want you to think about what does your child's disrespect bring up in you? Does it bring up the fear of what do other people think? Because I want you to know that if you're functioning through the funnel of what does everyone else think, you're going to have a hard road in parenting. Everyone's kid messes up. And your child who seems disrespectful really has something going on inside of them that is deeper and more important than what other people think. And finally, assess the situation. Is your child disrespectful and surly because they're going through a really stressful time? Think about what's going on in their world. And if it's something that is really becoming significant, please don't downplay it. Build a relationship with your child. In Fledge, I talk about relationship parenting versus performance parenting. 
In dealing with a disrespectful child, this is incredibly important. As you're building bridges, you want your child to know that you see them, that you really are for them, even beyond their behavior. Josh McDowell said years ago a quote that always stuck with me, rules without relationship equals rebellion. So one of the number one keys of how to respond to your child is to build relationship with them. And I'm going to share quickly six other principles. The second one is to see and hear your child. See, a child's behavior says something that doesn't always sound good, but they're trying to get their words and their feelings out in a way, and it, it sounds bad, but you can actually hear what they're needing and what they're longing for inside of those words. So see your child and hear your child, even, with, even when what they're sharing sounds disrespectful. Um, the third way to respond is to set boundaries with empathy. If you need some help for how to set boundaries, check out Dr. Um, Henry Cloud's, Townsend and Cloud's book, Boundaries, and Boundaries for Teens or Boundaries uh, for Kids. When you set boundaries, empathy is the key. It helps build that relationship and helps your child know that, again, you see them beyond just their words and their behavior. The fourth thing to keep in mind when you're responding is to watch for patterns. Again, for girls especially, are they disrespectful about once a month? Does it have to really do with their cycle? And if so, then be aware of that. Don't be um, really hard on them. You can guide them, but understand that she probably feels out of control of her emotions too. What are other patterns? Does it have to do with a particular social setting? Is there someone in your child's peer group who is causing them a lot of stress? Do they have stress in other areas of their life? Perhaps the family system. Perhaps your family is going through a change. A lot of times the changes that go on within a family affect kids. In fact, um, older children leaving to go to college can affect the family system. I talk a lot about that in Fledge, launching your kids without losing your mind. Perhaps one of you has a new job, or perhaps your own stress is spilling over into your kids. So watch for patterns and ask yourself, what's going on in my child's world that is perhaps causing them um, to respond in a way that is so disrespectful or one with an attitude? The next piece of encouragement I would admonish you is to use neutral words. Try to pull away from using words like good or bad or anything that has a moral value attached to it. Neutral words are things such as appropriate or inappropriate, healthy or unhealthy, safe or unsafe. But you can put down an argument pretty quickly rather than yelling at your child or um, just ranting and lecturing them. It's easy to say what you just said was really disrespectful. How about we try that again? Another thing is to affirm your kids when they don't have an attitude. As a parent who had a child with an attitude, especially early on in my parenting, I realized that I was so focused on their negative behavior. I failed to pour hardly anything into them that was positive during the the non-conflict times. So moms and dads, pour, pour, pour into your children. Give them the positive things. And if all you see is negative, then talk to the Lord about that. Ask him to help 
you direct your mind and your heart to really see the good things about your child. And then let them know that during the non-conflict times when they don't have an attitude. And then finally, parents, let a lot of things go. You just have to. As your kids get older, uh, they will grow out of a lot of the attitude. But a lot of their attitude comes from their own needs that are not being met, fighting for their own place in the family system, in the social food chain. And with social media on top of everything else, there's so much negativity, even in the adult world, that is magnified even more in the teen world. So moms and dads, I just want to encourage you, there's so much more underneath that disrespect or that attitude that your child has. Think about all that's going on in their world. Do an assessment of them, of you, of the situation, and then respond. Respond as positively, as firmly, as appropriately, and as relationally as you can. Friends, I would love to hear from you. How has this podcast, as we start off the new season, how has it helped you? I'd love for you to leave a review at iTunes or Stitcher, your favorite place where you listen to the Life Beyond the Picket Fence podcast. And if any of this information uh, helps you, I would encourage you to pick up my recent book, Fledge, Launching Your Kids Without Losing Your Mind. It's helping parents to know how to foster that independence and autonomy for all of their kids from the first to the very last until they walk across that graduation stage, either of high school or college. And you can join the Fledge Parent Forum. Look for it um, on my website. You can click, um, find out more about it there. There's a link that will take you right to it. We'd love to have you join. Join us next time for the Life Beyond the Picket Fence podcast with your host, Brenda Yoder, author, speaker, counselor, child advocate, and all-around cheerleader for all things related to life, faith, and family beyond the storybook image.